everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Joining us now, ESPN's Jake Trotter. Covers the Cleveland Browns for ESPN. Good enough to join us here on the Justin Kinner Show. Uh, Jake, it's interesting. As much as I love the Cleveland Browns and talking about the Cleveland Browns, they really haven't given us too much to talk about outside of that little uh, you know, comment made last week about OBJ saying that he's, gonna, you know, he's ready to have the best season that he's had yet. The Browns have been quiet, and based on what history has taught us with Baker Mayfield and this Browns team, being quiet is actually a good thing when it comes to this organization right now. It is good. You know, they, they opened up last season making a lot of noise, big target on their chest. You know, they were very chirpy during the off season. whether it was, you know, the Baker Mayfield, GQ Magazine interview or, you know, Odell talking about the Giants. And, and then during the season, obviously, they didn't handle that attention very well uh, to finish 6-10. and 10. So I, I think... You know, there's going to be a little bit of hype with this team. There's going to be a little bit of attention, but nothing like last year, and I don't think that's a bad thing. What What is it with, with Baker Mayfield? What finally got his attention? Obviously maturing as he gets older, but do you, is there a certain thing that you could pinpoint that said that got Baker's attention that he realized he he just needs to change his ways this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I think he stunk it up last year, and they were not a good team. And it was really the first time in Baker's career, I mean, going back to high school, where you know, he was – he was the starter of a losing team and had an entire season where he just didn't play very well. So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, his, his, his bluster, his bravado, you know, played really well when, when he's been on good teams, whether that was at Oklahoma or his, you know, rookie season with the Browns. And they weren't a great team, but they were, they were a good team this rookie year. And this is the first season where, you know, he kind of realized that, you know, if you don't back it up on the field, uh, this is going to backfire on you in a pretty big way. So uh, I think he was humbled a little bit. Um, you, you have noticed he's been pretty quiet this offseason. And, again, I, I think that's probably a good thing in, in terms of his maturity and becoming the quarterback and leader of this team. ESPN's Jake Trotter covers the Browns with us here uh, on 1410 ESPN Radio. Yeah, there's a, I mean, look, I'm really excited for this coming up season, obviously hoping that there's going to be football, but there is a ton of pressure on Baker Mayfield. I will say this about the Browns. I know they're an easy target for fan bases outside of the, you know, the Cleveland Browns fan base to, to poke fun at them. I tell you, I bet Aaron Rodgers wishes his team gave him as many weapons as what the Browns have done for Baker Mayfield. You know, you look at the Bengals, they've done, you know, similar things, making sure that they're loading up Joe Burrow. There's a lot of quarterbacks around the league that would love for their organization to fully invest into putting weapons around them. Baker has that. That's a great thing, but it could also be a bad thing because if these pieces don't work, all the fingers are going to be pointed at him. Yeah, there's not going to be any excuses this year. I mean, yeah, he has a new head coach, new offensive coordinator. Again, but but still, everything that the new front office has done this offseason, every major move they made was really about Baker Mayfield. Whether it was you know getting him a fast catching tight end and Austin Hooper, uh, you know shoring up the pass protection on both bookends, picking up Jack Conklin in free agency, and then drafting Jedrick Wills, so they're going to slide over uh, to left tackle out of Alabama with the uh, the tenth pick, and then even you know signing Case Keenum. Uh, 10 million guaranteed over three years, you know, to be a backup quarterback. But I, I think what the Browns saw was a guy that could be 
you know, mentor, a really good sounding board uh, for Baker, you know, in practice in the quarterback room and then, you know, on the sidelines during games. So, I mean, you could make a case that Baker has the best supporting cast in terms of running back and receiver and really now even offensive line in the NFL. So, uh, it's, you know, the Browns are going to find out what they have at quarterback, which is what the goal was this offseason to, you know, put Baker in a position to succeed and to find out if this guy really is your franchise quarterback. It's definitely not an MV. I mean, I'm not sitting there putting MVP expectations on Baker Mayfield, but it's not that outlandish to think that, hey, if Baker clicks this year with the weapons he has around him, I'm not saying that we should be waving the MVP flag heading into the season, but honestly, if you really think about it, with all the weapons around him, if things click, there's no reason why he shouldn't at least be in the discussion by the end of the season. Maybe these are too high expectations, but I keep telling people here, regardless of you know whether you want to laugh at me or not for bringing his name up with MVP talk, really, there's no excuse for him not to at least be in the conversation considering the weapons around him. Now, a lot of that's going to be how many you know how much pressure is going to be put on him and weight-wise as far as how many times he's going to throw the ball this year as well. Yeah, I mean, Vegas might disagree with you a little bit. They have him at 50-1 to one, <laughs> uh, to, to win MVP. You know, he was, he was half that, even higher, uh, going into last season. So, um, but I do think you're right in the sense that uh, you know, Baker has the, the tools around him to succeed. And if, if for some reason it doesn't work out this year, I mean, you can't really blame, uh, you know, the, the, the pieces around him. You can't blame another coaching staff like, like I think a lot of people justifiably, you know, did last year's. So it, it really comes back uh, to Baker. I mean, to me, you know, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, doesn't get to at least 9-7, and seven, uh, it's another massive disappointment. And I think, you know, you, you saw Freddie Kitchens be the fall guy last year. Uh, you saw, uh, you know, John Dorsey, the general manager, um, you know, who really fell from grace in just a few months, uh, you know, fall back on him last year. You, you even thought a little bit, you know, you know Odell, the offensive line, uh, you know, Miles Garrett with the helmet swing, which, which uh, you know, allowed the defense to crater. Um, and, and even Baker to a great extent, too. But I, I think it's going to be far more concentrated on Baker if, if all of it doesn't go well this year, especially offensively. What was your takeaway of how Andrew Barry and the Browns front office uh, handled the draft recently? I, I was really impressed with their draft. I thought they addressed exactly what they needed to. Uh, I really love the Donovan Peoples-Jones pick, I mean, very late in the draft. I think that could be uh, you know, another one of those steel-type picks that we could be talking about in years to come. Uh, but what was your overall takeaway from how that new front office handled the, the draft this year? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I think every pick that they made, you know, made sense to me, you know, had a plan behind it. Really, you know, going back to free agency, every move they made, um, you know, kind of revolved around a plan that made a lot of sense uh, and, and really filled a lot of the holes that they had coming into uh, the offseason. You know, you, the, the first pick they had, 10th overall, there was a lot of chatter about them, you know, moving out of that spot, moving down. Uh, there was some chatter about them, you know, trading for Trent Williams, even though that was never – you know, plan A, and I, I think that they did a good job sticking to their guns, taking their left tackle to the future, the best tackle on the board, in a lot of people's opinion, at, at number 10 in, in Wills, and then moving on from there. And I, I think they got a couple, at least, potential starters defensively, especially Grant Telpit at, at safety coming out of uh, LSU, who would have been probably a top 15 pick coming into the season, but had an injury, didn't really tackle that great, but does tremendous talent. Um, you know, I like what they did later on in the draft, getting Harrison Bryant, you know, pass-catching tight end. You know, nobody uses tight ends more than Kevin Stefanski, and they're going to need all those guys. And, um, you know, we'll see if he develops the strength to play at this level. But 
you know, in terms of the skill, he's got that to be a, an effective uh, pass catcher behind you know, Austin Hooper. Uh, Nick Harris started 42 games at Washington at center. They, they needed a little bit of depth uh, behind J.C. Shredder at the middle of the offensive line. And then, you, yeah, getting, you know, getting uh, people's jumps at the end of the uh, sixth round uh, or, or middle of the sixth round, whatever that was, uh, you know, that's a guy that could be your number three receiver at some point. I mean, that's a guy that, you know, has talent. I think once you get to the later end of the draft, that's the time to start rolling, rolling the dice on, you know, guys that maybe weren't as productive as they should have been for whatever reason, but guys that, you know, still have the capability to help you. And, uh, you know, he, he still made a lot of plays in Michigan, and I, I think that he's a chance to be a good player for, for the Browns down the road. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of a few years ago with with Callaway. Call, it was kind of a similar situation. I mean, if it wasn't for some outside things that he was a part of, he would have been probably taken a lot higher in the draft, and he and Cleveland was able to take advantage of that. Uh, and we'll see how this one ends up. What did you think about with the reports that were stemming around all sports media yesterday with uh, you know the the Seahawks uh, dangling Russell Wilson in exchange for the Browns' first overall pick in 2018? Uh, how much truth was that? Uh, is there to those reports, and uh, how serious do you think that the Browns considered that? You know, that was before my time, mm-hmm. so I'm not, I don't have a great feel for how accurate that was, but, um, you know, I, I think when you look back on it, uh, you know, Russell Wilson would have looked really good for the Browns, um, you know, and, and I can understand why they might have considered that, because, you know, just of all the quarterback problems the franchise has had going back to the Bernie Kosar days, um, almost kind of surprised that they didn't, you know, pull the trigger on the deal. Now, you know, Miles Garrett's going to be an all-pro, uh, you know, provided that, that, you know, he doesn't have anything, uh, you know, pop up like last year. But uh, I, I think that, um, you know, I could I, I, I sort of feel like Cleveland might have gotten the better end of that deal uh, just because of how valuable the quarterback position is. Now, the quarterback position is more valuable when you got a guy in a rookie, rookie uh, contract. Yes. And mm-hmm. it's much easier to fill out the rest of your roster when you're not playing your quarterback, you know, 15% of your salary cap. So, um, you know, and, and I can't remember where Russell was at that point in his career, but, you know, he was, he, 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 I think he either just signed the extension or, or was about to, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was an interesting, you know, what if both ways. And um, that being said, you know, the Browns are not going to have the salary cap space they have now to continue to improve the team if, if they don't take Russell Wilson. So I understand why, why maybe both teams. Uh, we're better off not making that deal, but it is interesting to think about. Yeah, we were getting a lot of calls, and even today, with you know callers calling in and saying, "Man, can you imagine Russell Wilson with OBJ and Jarvis Landry and Hooper?" And I said, "Well, the bottom line is, if the Browns did pull that trade off because of the cap space deal that you just mentioned, they're probably not trading for OBJ. Yeah, so they're not going to be yeah, able to maybe pay Hooper. Yeah." So that's going to be key. Now, next up, before we let you go, I appreciate you taking time today. Uh, Speaking of cap space, the Browns, even with all the additions that they've made to this roster, I mean, they still have a pretty nice chunk of of cap space remaining. Is that money going to be something that they use that they're sitting on for the future because you have contracts coming up here? I mean, you look at the running back situation where guys are holding out left and right around the league. They're going to be dealing with Chubb coming up in the future. Uh, You're going to obviously have Miles Garrett that you're going to have to pay. Baker, I know that's still two years away, but if he has a really good year, that financial consideration is going to have to be made as well. Is that money more insurance for the future, or are they still looking to make a move, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think they have the flexibility to do something if they feel like it makes sense. Um, you know, shorter-term deals, I don't think they're going to be handing out a lot of guaranteed money over three to four-year deals to anybody who's out there for the reason you laid out. And you're right. I mean, that, that salary cap space is a little bit deceiving because 
you've got a Miles Garrett extension uh, coming up this offseason. You've got, you know, uh, you know Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, Nick Chubb. After that, uh, you you you're gonna have Jedrick Wills down the line. You know, hopefully. So, um, you know, up the, the the flip side of, of having these high draft picks that pan out is that you've got to pay them after the rookie contract. And, and the way the salary cap works, uh, you know, different from you know other sports, you've, you've got to hold some of that back. Uh, to pay other guys because you you, you know it's it not like the NBA where you can just say oh we'll just pay the luxury tax. <laughs> it's a different economic system. So uh, you know they they still have the space to do some stuff. And I think if somebody like you know Jadavian and Clowney wanted to take uh, you know a one year deal or two year deal, you know prove a deal, um, they could make that work. I think they get into some trouble if they're trying to you know sign three or four year contracts at this point because again they got to save some some of that money back is the defense that i mean what's the biggest concern for you with this i mean that offense is, is pretty much sealed tight i mean i think they addressed everything they need what about the defense i know you just mentioned Jadavion Clowney, but uh how confident are you in what they have on that roster right now is that doable considering what they have on the offensive end yeah i mean i i you saw the defense last year after the miles garrett suspension just absolutely crater mm-hmm. uh so i i think it's a concern at some spot you know they you know, pass rusher after Miles Garrett, you know, who's that going to be? Um, you know, I think at linebacker, they're pretty inexperienced and untested, and um, they, they don't have any proven standouts at that position. Uh, you know, you look at corner, uh, you know, after, after Denzel Ward, um, you know, I think there's some questions, um, if, you know, depending on what happens with Reedy Williams in, in year two. Then, you know, as high as you are, you know, I think we're both on, on Grant Delpit at, at safety, um, you know, he's still got to go out there and earn a job. Um, they've got, got a couple of stopgap veterans there, and Carl Joseph and Andrew Sindehu. Uh, but, you know, particularly with Sindehu, uh, you know, older guy, uh, you know, not, a, not necessarily a long-term cog, uh, you would think there. So, you know, I, I think they're a little bit uh, of a question mark at safety as well. So, I mean, I think they could be pretty good defensively, but I, I think if things don't work out their way, um, they might they you know, they might not be very good either. So I, I think that there's a pretty decent variance on what the defense could become. Um, but, you know, just watching them play last year, I mean, they, they, they ended up having a lot of holes, and it ended up not being a very deep defense either. All right, ESPN's Jake Trotter covers the Cleveland Browns. Good enough to join us here today on the show. Jake, I appreciate your time. Uh, go out with this, though. The, the Cleveland Browns open up with Baltimore, uh, obviously Cincinnati Week 2, and then Redskins-Cowboys uh, to close out the first month of the season, whatever month that may be. Hopefully it is you know goes on as planned. How tough of a first month of games is that? I mean, that's going to be right off the bat. you got the MVP, Lamar Jackson, and the Ravens, division champs the last two years. That's going to be a great test right off the bat for where they are. It will be, and you know the, the schedule is a little bit, um, so a, a little bit inverted from what it was last year, and they've got some tough games early. But I, I think overall, uh, the schedule gets tougher at the end of the year. You got the Ravens again on Monday Night Football. You've got Carson Wentz. You've got you know, uh, you've got Deshaun Watson later on in the season. Uh, so, and, and I think you go on the road. I think it was like three or four or four or five. I can't remember off the top of my head. But a lot of road games late in the year, including back to back. Uh, trips to uh, New York, so uh, they they, uh, they they've got to um, you know they they, they 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 don't necessarily need to uh, get off to a, a great start, but they've got to win some games, I think, because uh, it's going to get tougher later on in the year. You know, last season it was like if they can just be like you know three and four, you know two and four, you know they're going to be all right. The schedule eases up, and 
it kind of worked out that way. Uh, they went on a little bit of, of a run, but the, the Miles Garrett thing happened, and they, they you know, fell apart uh, the last month of the season. Um, you know, this time around, they, they've got to get some wins early because the schedule is going to be really tough later on in the year, and you don't want to have to chase wins at that point. All right, Jake Trotter, ESPN. Jake, thanks so much for your time. Much appreciated. Good stuff. Take care. Okay, thanks, Justin. Take care.